0: Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Aliza Kelly. I am very excited about today's episode featuring Lisa Stardust, who is a prolific astrologer and one of my closest friends. Lisa and I studied astrology together um, four or five years ago is when we first met under Annabelle Gatt. And at a time, we were seeing each other two or three times a week taking classes on horary which is a particular type of divination based astrology um we were studying lunar cycles together midpoints you know we would hang out all the time because we were immersed in in the stars and Lisa has just taken astrology by storm. She is a contributor at basically every single fucking publication under the sun. So I am sure you have read her work. She's also a fabulous writer. And in this episode, we talk about, we talk about a lot of things. We talk about um, new moon and full moon energy. We talk about Vincent van Gogh's birth chart, which is one of my favorite moments. Um, we talk about the eclipses. We talk about retrogrades, experiencing these natally, um, being born under a Mercury, Venus, or Mars retrograde. We talk about 2020, which is a lot of what we are going to be working towards, especially with these upcoming eclipses in July 2019. So I have launched my first online workshop and I am so excited about it. It is taking place on Sunday, June 2nd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So please join. Um, you can RSVP at tinyurl.com slash Gemini New Moon. Again, that's tinyurl.com slash Gemini New Moon. The cost of the course is $39.99, and with that is a 60-minute presentation all about the full moon, the new moon, working with lunar energy, how this Gemini new moon is going to affect each and every single sign. There's going to be a QA, and a There's going to be a forum. There's going to be a chat room. When you sign up, you get a URL, so you don't need to download anything. If you miss it, it's available for 48 hours after that. And if you really, really missed it, and you were listening to this way in the future, hello from the past. <laughs> but also, check my Instagram and my website. Everything is Eliza Kelly for the latest updates. This this online workshop is the beginning of a much larger series that I am starting, um, which will contain both live and pre-recorded content. I'm really excited about it. It's important that when you are using astrology even in a very passive way even if you're not planning on becoming an astrologer that you are using correct information memes are not a good way of learning about astrology memes are a great way of sharing astrology content of understanding the surface level dimensionality of it but astrology is too complex to ever be captured in a meme So please, if you are using astrology, which I hope you are because you're interested in this podcast, be sure that you are working with people who know what the fuck they're talking about. Hopefully I'll be able to interact with you directly on Sunday, June 2nd at 8.30pm, tinyurl.com slash Moon to sign up. So without further ado... Here is my conversation with Lisa Stardust. Enjoy. On today's episode of Stars Like Us, I am here with famous astrologer, Lisa Stardust, one of my dear friends, Gemini Queen. Hello. Hi. I know (laughs) it. I am a Gemini Queen. (laughs) You are a Gemini Queen. Thank you so much for being here today. I feel like Gemini season kind of always gives me Mercury retrograde vibes, Because Mercury is so strong right now, communication is more important than ever, and you have to be so fucking careful with every little thing that you say and do. Well,
1: yeah, especially this week, we have the Mercury square Neptune tomorrow, and then the day after, we have Mercury opposing Jupiter on Thursday. So it's going to get weird. (laughs) So
0: how would you describe those energies?
1: Well, I have Mercury. (laughs) Side note, I have Mercury opposing uh, Neptune. So, you know, the square is a hard aspect, like the opposition. And what I've always found is that I really rely on my intuition. However, sometimes my intuition tells me things that
0: may not necessarily be true. Tell me, wait. So that's, (laughs) (laughs) I really love that. And I want to actually take a beat on that because that is so... True. Something that is a lesser known quality of intuition is that sometimes your intuition is responding to feedback that isn't necessarily in the physical world.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know, I just wrote an article about psychic protection. And sometimes, you know, with that Neptune thing, and I'm sure you can relate to it because you have a Pisces moon. And And I have Neptune on my ascendant. Neptune loves, you know, Neptune loves to be, it's like the modern ruler of Pisces. So a lot of the times, you know, you can pick up energies that might not necessarily be real, But, you know, you can pick up people's anxieties and you say, oh, well, this person was really weird on the phone with me. So they must be up to something when in reality they could just be having a really bad day because of a situation that has nothing to do with you.
0: Right. I mean, I when I was a kid, and this is still true, I would pick up on people's energy so easily and quickly that I would just assume that they knew that they were upset. And I would yeah. start acting and start being like, "Oh, what? Why are you upset?" And they didn't know they were upset yet because I was picking up on something that existed, you know, in an in like the astral before it existed oh, in totally. the physical. Yeah. and they'd then get mad at me and be like, "What the fuck are you talking about? I'm not upset. Now I'm upset." And I was like, "Well, you were upset before too." So it was just this like self fulfilling prophecy of energy.
1: Oh, totally. You know, that's what happens a lot, I would say, with me. But I also have Saturn there as well. So, squaring it. So, lovely, nice little T-square. So, for me, I tend to just, like, you know, think that something's going on. But then, you know, I realize that I'm being crazy and that I'm, like, more upset with myself for being, like, in my, getting in my head than not, you know. But it's interesting how, like, the Neptune aspect really always creates a lot of anxieties that may or may not necessarily be there. But, you know, also the other side of Neptune is that Neptune's a really creative person, you know? So you're a creative person. You write all of, like, these wonderful horoscopes and articles and the memes and social media. Neptune loves to create, you know? So it's like, you know, that's why Vincent Van Gogh chopped off his ear, you
0: know? it's like What sign was Vincent Van Gogh?
1: Let's look it up. That would be really interesting.
0: He was, he was an Aries. He was an Aries. So that ex- that's impulsive. Yeah. I would say that there's probably a lot of Neptune in that chart.
1: Well, actually, we can pull up his chart, his natal chart, right here on Astro theme. The you guys, time. you
0: have heard it here first. This is the real deal right here.
1: He has a Cancer rising and a Sagittarius moon. His midpoint his um MC is ruled by Pisces and his IC is ruled by Virgo. Mm. And his Neptune well, you know, his Neptune was in his sixth house,
0: I think. Yeah.
1: So <laughs> it says here, yeah. <laughs> so funny. So there you go.
0: <laughs> so how would you just for our listeners who didn't have a chance yet to pull up Vincent Van Gogh's <laughs> natal chart at home, how would you synthesize
1: his chart? Well, you know, Neptune in the sixth house or Neptune in any house, it creates a little bit of a fog. And a lot of the time, people who have a house that has Neptune in it, there's usually like a sense of um, like mystery and also a little bit of uncertainty and laziness. The sixth house is the house of daily routine and job. So a lot of artists have Neptune in the fifth and sixth house just because literally their job is creating art, you know?
0: That's right. Yeah. So we're going to see some Neptune action coming our way. So that's going to mean
1: depression, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, Neptune is the fog. And the way that I describe Neptune to my clients often is, you know, fog can either be extremely beautiful and romantic. You know, you're walking down Central Park Fifth Avenue at night with your lover and it's like, you know, 1920 or you're driving (laughs) on a cliff at night with fog. And that could be fatal. So fog has many different types of, fog has many different types of personalities.
1: Yeah, just to add into that, it reminds me when you were talking about walking in the fog. It reminds me of, you know, that scene in Bram Stoker's Dracula mm-hmm. with Winona Ryder and Gary Oldman, how he sees her and he's like, "Look at me, look at me," and she turns and looks at him, and he's not there. You know, that's wow, a very wow. That's Neptune.
0: Yeah, that's Neptune. So. We also have a new moon that is going to be in the sky on June 3rd in the early in the early a.m. Dawn. And I'm not sure if it's by orb, but because I think it might be Jupiter is in going to be in like late teens. And so is Neptune. But we're going to have a ton of mutable energy presented Yeah, out of orb. We're going to have a T-square with gemini uh sun and moon and venus and we're going to have uh neptune and pisces and jupiter and sagittarius all coming in what do you think is going to be the vibe of this new moon
1: well i mean you know we're coming into that that uh Mercury sorry that uh, Jupiter the second Jupiter Neptune square right that's in mid June too so I always I think that this week and the new moon is sort of setting the stage for what's going to happen personally um, I'm not really sure what happened to everybody but for me I was like why don't you
0: know what happened to every single person Lisa I don't
1: know (laughs) I'm off my game but like for me I was like you know I was definitely like you know very overwhelmed with like a lot of relationships in my life. And I was just really deciding what's worth the effort and what's not worth the effort, which is sort of like, you know, a Neptunian aspect as well because Neptunian, you know, like Neptune can also help you see like the darker side of things or like the loftier side of things. So, you know, I was dealing with a lot of changes personally, but This time around, I really think it's going to affect everybody on more of an emotionally erratic level, especially that new moon. Because a lot of the times people, I always say people... People tend to break up more during new moons than full moons, in my opinion. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. So people during new moons, they can't really see the light from the moon. So, you know, they're paranoid. They think things are happening. They're not happening. And if you add in Neptune, it's like extra paranoia.
0: Yeah. And if you add in Jupiter, it's extra, extra. Extra, Yeah. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Here comes Jupiter. Got it. blowing everything Gotta out of a proportion. Gotta level up. Gotta level up. <laughs> Psychic protection.
1: <laughs> what, is, um, what ritual are you doing for the new moon? Because I know that you had posted one. Yeah, so
0: I am going to be hosting my first live workshop ahead of the new moon on Sunday, just a couple of hours before. I can't tell you what the ritual is, Lisa, because people have to oh. join. But I can tell you that new moons are you know, they're one of the most important lunar phases because they are all about beginning new cycles. So whereas with a full moon is when we sort of take inventory of everything that exists and is real or is not real, new moons is when we are planting seeds of intention. So that will be a little hint. So you were born during a full moon, Lisa. You were born during the Gemini Sagittarius full moon. Yes. So how would you say you as a full moon person are impacted by new moons, full moons, and then maybe even more on a macro? What does it mean to be born under that lunation?
1: Well, it's interesting because, you know, being born under a full moon, as our teacher and mentor Annabelle said, for those of you who don't know, Aliza and I met many, many moons ago class. <laughs> Many, many Gemini many, many, moons ago. Yes, and Pisces <laughs> moons, and Neptunian moons ago. Um, <laughs>
0: what, is and, what even is time?
1: <laughs> you know, I've always asked, you know, Annabelle Gatt, who's a wonderful teacher, mentor, and astrologer, why do I always put the work in relationships that don't need to be put into? Why do I hold on to things that maybe to, like, the bitter end, or I never really want to end it? Um... You know, a lot of the times, full moon people, according to Annabelle, they really tend to hold on to things for a longer period of time. They don't really have an expiration date on relationships. They don't believe in expert expiration dating, as Carrie Bradshaw said. <laughs> um, they also recycle their exes. So, <laughs> And why do you think that is? Because they always want to believe the best in people because full moon people see the full light. So when we're looking at the moon, the full moon illuminates everything. So full moon people know when someone's lying to them. They know, like, what games people are playing. But sometimes they choose to, like, engage or not engage depending on literally, like, you know. It's, like, an example being it's, like, my mother says to me, I took out the garbage. And I'm, like, you didn't do it because I know, you know, on the phone because I know, like, the you know, like you kind of memorize the um, the past, like their behaviors, and you kind of know what to expect from people. But you know, because there is a sense of familiarity. And you know, full moon people just they like to keep things going because of their parents relationship as well. So they're born into this relationship between parents where their parents are going to be very different people. So they do try to make relationships work as a response to their parents' marriage or not marriage or what was going on between their parents when they were born. Um, New moon people, I tend to get along with the most just because it's a different perspective. When you have a new moon, you can't see the moon because, you know, it's obscured. And new moon people tend to really come in with like this curiosity. And as someone who's a full moon, it really, I get satisfaction in enlightening them. So, like, things.
0: So, yeah, I, I that's so, so interesting. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me that we would be looking at the parental dynamics with a full moon in particular because the sun is one of the symbols of the the father, the paternal energy, and the mother is a symbol of the maternal energy or the literal mother. So when we have those on opposite sides of the sky, we're going to see an incredible... Dynamic between those energies um, Both working at 100% full potential yeah. Do you feel like New moon people have Different How would you describe The new moon relationship With the parents or the parental Figures
1: Um Interestingly enough, I I did ask Annabelle about that, too. Um, So when we look at a new moon chart or a new moon person, a new moon baby, um, we're going to look at the stronger sign between the two planets, the sun and the moon. So if we're looking at someone who is a new moon cancer, we're obviously going to look at the moon because it's dignified in cancer. So we're going to say that the mother had more of a stronger influence on the kid than... The father, you know, or they have this dynamic with their mother that's complicated because it's a new moon chart, but like met with love.
0: So if we have, for instance, a Leo new moon, so this would be sun and Leo, moon and Leo, we would see the sun as the stronger. Yeah. Parent. So we would see the father or the paternal figure as the stronger, quote unquote.
1: And, you know, when we even do that for, let's just say Gemini, a new moon in Gemini. Um, They're both perigine, which means that they're both not in essential dignity. So we would just really say that you know, this is just someone who's really curious. And then we would look to see the depositor of Mercury, where Mercury is in the chart, because Mercury rules Gemini, and see what's kind of going on there by kind of digging a lot through the chart. But, you know, even when a moon is in its fall or a sun is in its fall, you know, like when we would look at someone who's a Scorpio full moon, you know, it still counts being in the fall or detriment.
0: I actually was just referencing dignities. In my Instagram stories the other day, talking about exaltations, um, how would you describe the rulership versus the exaltation, and then the the fall versus the detriment?
1: Okay, so when we look at planets, we look at the signs that they're in control of. The moon rules the sign Cancer, so. Dignity of the moon is cancer. Like, right away, we know that. When the moon is in Taurus, the moon is exalted in Taurus. It's its favorite placement because the moon in Taurus likes to eat, drink, and be merry. Like, who doesn't like that? Right, you know and what the moon I mean? is,
0: like, the way we nurture ourselves, the way we take yeah. care of ourselves. So, obviously, through, like, food and self-care that's going to be the moon working at its highest vibration.
1: Yeah. And then when we look at the opposite signs of that, that's how we're going to find the detriment and its fall. So I believe the opposite of the exaltation is the fall. So that would be the moon in Scorpio. So the moon in Scorpio, it is a little bit mysterious. It takes on more of like a go-getter type of Mars energy. However, it also is very intuitive as well because it is a water sign and it's very seductive and very glamorous. Um, you know, and then the moon in Capricorn would be the moon opposite its dignity. So that would be the moon in its detriment. And the moon in Capricorn it tends to be a little bit, you know... Views the mother as like a hard worker, has a hardworking attitude, commits to things 100%, wants to see things through to like the end and work on situations.
0: So I think that the significance of really understanding the dignities, the exaltations, the detriments and the falls is to understand how the planet is functioning. And when we see how the planet functions at its highest vibration, and then when we see how the planet is working when it's in one of the, you know, quote-unquote detrimental placements, we understand how that planet is really executing its purpose.
1: I mean, Neptune and Pisces is more about, like, mysticism, but, you know, what's happening is that it's squaring off of Jupiter, which is creating more of a havoc than anything right now. Then in 2020, we have that Saturn-Pluto conjunction,
0: so Saturn and Jupiter make a conjunction in 2020 and Saturn and Pluto make a conjunction in 2020.
1: Yeah, so that Saturn and Jupiter it's probably going to be a lot of people second-guessing commitments and re- relationships. And then the Saturn and Pluto is going to be about... People really taking control of like being really harsh when it comes to making money. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, because I've always seen that Jupiter Saturn thing be that people are indifferent or like kind of like, oh, well, I guess, or kind of feel like the tarot card, the hangman, a little bit stuck.
0: Well, I, it's actually, it's called the Great Conjunction when Jupiter and Saturn make this alignment. And it happens every 20 years. Something kind of crazy is that um, some mundane astrologers have connected this conjunction to presidential assassinations. So I'm, you know, I don't want to like have my photo <laughs> booth tapped by the fucking FBI over here, but I'm just saying if you Google search great conjunction president. There's going to be a lot of very interesting information about this. When was
1: this. the last... What was the... Who was attempted? I'm just well, curious. Well, it was
0: the shoe thrown at George W. Bush. I think they took a little liberty with that one, to be honest, because I don't know if... I don't know if you can count someone throwing a shoe at you to be an assassination attempt, but maybe mm-hmm. that, like, checks off in White House protocol.
1: Oh, that's crazy. It could, Do you think it was also... Um, when was Ronald Reagan's assassination? It was. Attempt? It it, so yeah. it aligned
0: with that. I remember.
1: That's like getting into my generation. Yeah, <laughs> like it aligned with 80s. Ronald Reagan's yeah. attempted
0: assassination. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, um, and then obviously we had JFK, and I guess this mundane astrology was able to track it all the way back through the Wild West days of <laughs> the United States when assassination was like the norm.
1: That's so crazy.
0: Yeah. So. Some interesting homework for everybody, if you you so desire, if you also are a supernatural detective like myself.
1: And if the FBI comes knocking, we didn't... Yeah, you didn't hear it here. (laughs) Exactly. Stars Like
0: Us has nothing to do with it. (laughs) So I also want to talk about retrogrades. Sure. Um, I know that you have Venus retrograde natally in your chart, and we'll talk about progressions in a moment, but... If you wouldn't mind sharing your thoughts on what personal planet retrogrades are like. So personal planet retrogrades would be Mercury, Venus, or Mars.
1: So Venus retrograde in the Earth signs, according to our teacher and mentor Annabelle Gatt, would mean that the person wasn't really, they didn't feel like their parents gave them enough affection, enough hugs, or their parents didn't have enough hugs and affection. Venus retrograde in a water sign, like mine's in Cancer, would mean that like you know, like there's so many different meanings, but, you know, Venus is also the secondary ruler of the mom. And, you know, my mother, I had a babysitter who I spent a lot of my time with growing up as well. So that, you know, to me being in cancer, that would be a literal meaning of it as well. And a lot of people that do have Venus retrograde often find that, you know, when they were you know, between the ages of like three to like five or two to five, they had like a babysitter or like a ver- or a grandmother who helped take care of them. Is as that in well.
0: all Venus retrograde?
1: I would say Venus retrograde in Cancer, particularly okay. um, Venus retrograde in Fire signs. I would say that it tends to mean that you rush into relationships very fast. Again, impulsive spending. I would say. Um, Venus retrograde and air sign, you know, tends, I would say that, like, you get too heady about relationships, you overthink too much. And, you know, that's true for a lot of Venus retrogrades as well. Um, You know, Mars retrograde. It's interesting, because a lot of the people who I've encountered that have Mars retrograde, they tend to be either very, very aggressive like, very aggressive or just, like, very passive. So it's either one or the other. There's never a real in-between. And Mercury retrograde people, you know, they they tend to be really impulsive with their decision-making or they tend to be really, like, lazy and not want to be really active.
0: I have a theory that Mercury retrograde people actually end up becoming excellent communicators because they work extra hard to make sure that they are being understood by others? Agree or disagree?
1: (laughs) Um, Yes. I mean, I have a friend who has Venus, I think like every planet retrograde in her chart. It's crazy. But she does have Mercury retrograde in her chart and she's very good at analytically finding information and like making judgments. Yeah.
0: So... Another thing that I think would be cool to just quickly touch on so that we can get everybody like geared up for this. Our thoughts aren't here right now, but they're about to be on the eclipses. So we have two eclipses upcoming in July, and those are going to be in the signs of Cancer and Capricorn Mm -hmm. corresponding to the eclipse series that began in July of last year and will conclude July next year. What do you think about these eclipses?
1: Well, you know, the eclipse that's happening July 2nd, that's actually not the one that I'm the most worried about. The one that I'm the most worried about is the one July 16th because I think Saturn and Pluto are conjunct the moon. So that's going to be a little intense.
0: So when you say worried about it, what do you mean by that?
1: You know, a lot of people... It's a full moon eclipse. And, you know, a lot of the times, you know, the, I've noticed during the eclipses in Capricorn, they tend to be a little bit, you know, like austere, kind of like a band aid being ripped off from someone. And
0: I'm pulling up the chart right now for the July yeah, 16th. I believe
1: eclipse. Mercury is retrograde too
0: in Leo. Okay. So the full moon lunar eclipse on July 16th, this could be. Sp- pretty intense for women's issues in the country wouldn't you think
1: um i would think that there's going to be like a lot of like rebellion going on and a lot of people kind of fighting against the patriarchy
0: would you think that this could be potentially when we see more shifts regarding reproductive rights
1: probably yeah I mean, I feel like there's so much change happening right now with, like, the south node in Capricorn, with, I think, Pluto met up to the south node a while ago, and that was, like, a very big metaf- metamorphic shift. That was, I think, you know, I was going to say that that Scorpio full moon was a major time as well.
0: Right. And that was, um, we we had that occurring just a couple of weeks ago, which is when the when Alabama passed this insane legislation,
1: yeah, I mean, the thing about the North Node and Capri- North Node and Cancer, is that people are really being pushed to the brink of like what they but what find what, where they find security, and with the South Node and Capricorn, people are really letting go of like, you know, a lot of like, you know their beliefs and you're seeing major shifts in a lot of generations
0: so this upcoming new moon in gemini is really the last chance that we have to do new to do new moon activities of magic and manifestation before the eclipses come through
1: i mean you can always manifest i mean i suggest manifesting during the new moon but eclipse but it's always uncertain and also when we do it in cancer it also really is more like of an emotional cleansing because I always relate these water moons to like you know like your emotions like your feelings like connecting with yourself
0: yeah I I definitely do not advise on on doing magic work during eclipses Because if we think about what is happening during an eclipse, if we put ourselves in the shoes of our ancient ancestors, shit was scary. You know, it was unpredictable. And an eclipse is such a dramatic visual display. A solar eclipse, the sun is blocked out. A lunar eclipse, the fucking moon is red. Like, in these instances, it feels spooky. And Mm -hmm. likewise, we don't really... Our luminaries are doing different things during that time. They're... On a different cycle They're on the eclipse cycle So they're not on the standard Lunar cycle that we can depend on Each month Yeah So this new moon in Gemini Is also an important marking Because it's it's Where we can sort of get ourselves ready For the July eclipses Are there any last minute things That you want to share or projects That you're working on that you're excited to Talk about?
1: Um You know, just pretty much, like, visit my, visit, you know, my Instagram page and check out my horoscopes, Lisa Stardust Astro. Um, I write horoscopes for The Hood Witch, Teen Vogue, and Lifestyle, which is an Australian website, and sign up for Lisa's New Moon webinar, podcast, event. It's going to be amazing.
0: (laughs) Yes. Um thank you so much Lisa. This thank has you been for lovely. Me. You're been amazing. <laughs>